on Twilight Football on FNR Football Nation Radio. Josh Parrish and Nick Dubano, your hosts. And with us now, former Socceroos goalkeeper Clint Butzer-Bolton. Clint, welcome to the show. I love how you threw the nickname in there. Thanks, thanks guys. It's almost your name at this point. Do people still call you Butzer when they meet you for the first time? It's, it seems like everybody knows it. Yeah, pretty much. And it's I find it quite amusing considering probably bugger all people actually know the origins of it and uh, would probably be a little bit surprised at what it actually means. Are they appropriate for the airwaves or should probably we not. leave a mystery? <laughs> okay, we'll, leave, we'll, we'll preserve, the, preserve the mystery. Soccer is playing against Japan tonight, biggest game for the national team in a couple of years. Uh, Clint, first of all, are you excited? Because I don't think, as we were talking about off-air, we've seen quite enough advertising for this particular fixture. I'm excited, absolutely. It's it's a great fixture to have at this point in time, considering where both teams are at. You know, Socceroos on a great run, twelve wins in a row, unprecedented, um, fantastic form. Look good, look solid defensively, which is important. Plenty of threats and attack. And on the flip side, um, just as much interest in Japan and where they're at, because it's been a, a good few years where they've been on this, I don't know, in this real hump. And and you just you wonder if they can find a way out of it in the short term to actually get to the next World Cup. Um, there's there's a lot of big question marks around Japan. So it's it's a in a lot of ways it's just a shame because normally when you get to watch Japan, you watch a really fluent, technical, quality team that usually gets results in Asia. So strange times for Japan. So it'd be a really interesting one. In terms of tonight's game, Clint, I mean, Australia's won obviously that on that winning streak, but they, with no disrespect to the teams they've played, they haven't played anyone the same ilk of Japan. I guess, um, is how much of a litmus test do you see this for Graham Arthur on the side tonight? It's a good test because of not only the opposition, but they're actually in a more traditional environment in, in qualifying tonight with being in Japan's backyard. So, so that's a bit different to what they, they've done in the, in, in the recent matches being in uh, Qatar and such. So it's a more traditional home match for Japan. They're, while there won't be a full packed stadium, and we're, we're all the poorer for it uh, because Saitama is, is a quality stadium with it packed 60-odd thousand, I think, around that mark. It's just an awesome atmosphere. But, you know, a quarter of that anyway will be pretty good. So it's, it's a good test in that regard. And... And Japan, backs to the wall stuff, still great quality technical players, a lot of them playing in Europe. Big question marks as to why they can't get their, their form together and get some decent results. Big pressure on the coach as well. Um, I just feel like this is the sort of test that we'll, we'll get to reevaluate where the Socceroos are, regardless of the winning form to this point. Yeah, I mean, the quality and calibre of opposition is not something Graham Arnold can control. He's beaten all the teams in front of him, so uh, you can't really criticise the results whatsoever. Uh, one of the interesting features about this iteration of the national team is two of our best players uh, are foreign-born, two UK boys, and uh, a Scottish man by the name of Martin Boyle bagging the goals. So, I mean, for once, Australia is using Ancestry.com to our advantage instead of getting players pinched from us, Clint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, Arnie's certainly done his research since being in charge. A couple of years ago, we don't even know quite a few of these players. Boyle, Sutar, Karacic, Rustic, mm. um, just to name a few. But it's, I don't know what it, how do you read that? I guess 
the more traditional route for Australian Socceroo players through our national league and and being recognised here in Australia is it's become more difficult to find that quality. Do we look at it in that way? So we've had to to reach out and find these players that have gone under the radar, players that we don't know that have gone on a different road overseas. Um, you know, you, you can look at it in a mul- you know multiple of different ways. So. Uh, Regardless of how they've gotten there and, and Arnie's gotten them to this point, it's it's still such a great run, and they're and they're in a great position. They're, they're just the two two ends of the game, which I, I reflect on the attacking end. They're a constant threat, which is fantastic. To any opposition that they face now, I feel like they're going to find moments in matches where they can actually score a lot of goals or score some goals to to actually win the match. But importantly, defensively and, and I think about the last 15 or so years, defensively, we've really started to struggle a lot in our national teams, uh, particularly at our junior level, but also in the Socceroos. Mm. I think back to 2006, the golden generation, we always think about the quality in attack and it's phenomenal, but we also had serious quality in, in defence as well. The goalkeepers and the defending department was always rock solid and we'd always find ways to stay in matches regardless of how well we were doing at the attacking end. And that's been lost in the last 15 years. But all of a sudden, we're getting a run of clean sheets. They've only conceded, I think, one goal to this point um, in recent times anyway. So my mind's, you know, I was a keeper, so I'm always conditioned to go to the defensive end, which which people's just seeing is pretty boring. But I think... It's the cornerstone to what happens in the long term with this Socceroos team. Great, they're scoring goals, but I'm still looking at that defensive end and thinking, can they keep this run going? Can they make me believe that come the bigger games like tonight and like a World Cup next year, that they can get the job done defensively? You mentioned defence. Harry Sutard, he's on the radar Premier League clubs right now. Um, how high of a ceiling do you think he has from what you've seen? Can he, can he cut it at the highest level? Well, firstly, he's probably taken the less traditional route for a defender to get into the team. Mm. It's his, it seems like it's as much his attacking threat at set pieces that's got him into the lineup. So um, there's still, for me, serious question marks around his ability to defend against quality opposition. Mm. He hasn't really faced a lot of that just yet in the soccer setup, so there's still question marks for me. Um, I look at his partner, Trent Sainsbury, and I've always been one that's tempered my my thinking about Trent. I'm probably in the minority in in the way I view Trent. I think he's superb player on the ball, great attacking threat, but defensively, for me, he's, he gets caught out a lot, gets caught out of position a lot. And he is very casual in recovering his position. And I look back at a lot of goals conceded beyond the last two years at World Cups and such. And I can sort of point the finger at Trent and, and think he could have done better. So I'm still yet to be convinced by Trent at the top level. Um, yeah, so big question marks. But Harry's, I mean, he's fitted in beautifully, hasn't he? And regardless of where and how football changes along the way, one thing is constant. That's set pieces. So if he's in the team, he's always going to be a threat at set posts. Mm. I mean, one thing that's actually annoyed me recently watching the team is that they've overcomplicated the set piece routines when you've got a guy who's like six foot seven at the back stick. Yep. I'm just, just float the ball good up point. to him. He's going to win the first header. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. But uh, he's spot on. He, he's not 
the thing is, like, yeah, you can overcomplicate these things with a guy like that in the team. But don't forget, we're coming up against really quality opposition. Sure. And regardless of the height differential, you've got wily players, wily defenders that can out-muscle him and, and put him off. So I don't mind the variation. It's, it, that, to me, means they're putting work into set pieces. And I, I've seen and been a part of a lot of teams along the journey that forget about the set pieces. It's always the day before the game where we're going to do a couple of set pieces and then we expect it to be okay on the day. So I look at that as if Arnie's thinking about it and working on it at the tr- in the training pack. Mm. Well, Arnie said he wants to freshen things up a bit. If you were looking at making some changes tonight, just to sort of, you know, adjust the plane against Japan, what, what sort of change would you be looking to make in terms of, you know, the overall starting 11? I'd stick with Taggart up front. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Adam. Mm. He's got huge potential at the top level, so I'd stick with Adam regardless of his goal-scoring form. Aaron Moy, back into the team. I want to see Aaron back in there, uh, probably at the expense of Tommy Rogic and possibly Karacic again uh, down that right side. Um, Ryan's been playing well, but Karacic is is a good player and I'd love to see him in there. That's the interesting conundrum with Moy and Rogic. The debate continues to rage as to whether they can operate in the same team. And it seems as if, I mean, luxury player is a bit of a loaded term, but you need somebody with an immense uh, work rate to cover the ground that those two don't defensively. So in a game like this, potentially it's, it's one or the other. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I can't add much to that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a case of the better quality opposition is going to test you out a lot more defensively in the midfield. So you know, both of them aren't, you know, when you think about those players, you think about them with the ball. Well, before we let you go, Bootsa, I want to ask you about goalkeeping. <laughs> And Matty Ryan, he's uh, been a stalwart for the national team despite shifts and changes at club level in terms of whether he's playing and his injury status mm. and so forth. I've seen some Socceroos fans arguing that the in-form Australian goalkeeper at the moment, ironically playing his club football in Japan and setting clean sheets records, is actually retired from national team duty because he wasn't being selected. Mitch Langerak. I mean, yeah. where do you stand on that? Is Matt Ryan just too important a leader in that team and is he undroppable? Or, or should Graham Arnold have considered Mitch Langerak for the number one uh, spot earlier before he made that choice? Yeah, Mitch should have gotten, Mitch should have gotten a lot more game time. No doubt about it. I, 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 I think Mitch is a, technically a better keeper. And I think Matt Ryan's ability probably with his feet has probably got him over the line more, more often than not. But Mitch, his, his uh, goal-stopping ability, second to none. Um, second to none. And, you, and he's, we're seeing that now in Japan. So he's a massive loss. You know, I reflect on him retiring and publicly, you know, he said it's – well, he didn't say it as much, but you assume it's because of game time. But I wonder just if it's uh, a, uh, a situation or a result of the environment we now live in mm. and – you know, because of the COVID situation, he just found it. Well, maybe it's a, you know, it's compounding issues, you know, not getting enough game time, current COVID situation, being in Japan, young family, just want, you know, really settled and doesn't want to travel. So I just wonder if that was the reason he, he walked away. Regardless, a top line keeper has walked away from our national team and we can only be the poorer for it. Is international retirement a bit of a relief in some ways for a player when they can just narrow their focus on the club football and not think about it anymore? Absolutely. 
absolutely. And I think of Mitch's situation is he finds himself on the bench most of the time. And you know, yeah. as a keeper, the chances of you coming on at a game is bugger all. So, you know what I mean? So if, if, if Matt Ryan seems to be the incumbent and you get the feeling that that's not going to change, then you weigh these things up. And, and he wouldn't be the first to retire from international football, and I can totally get why, uh, particularly now over the last couple of years, what's going on. But, yeah, I, I think that's why you, as, a, as a manager, as a coach of that national team, you have to manage these situations a lot better. Um, so maybe that's just one little cross against Arnie along the way. He's got many ticks, many ticks, but there's, you know, it's just a couple of little crosses there, and maybe that's one of them. You have to wonder if that will continue. I mean, we're seeing how so many A-League players, they can't go at the moment. Lecky, McLaren, you know, that you have to wonder if maybe that would accentuate beyond just goalkeepers. Like players just right now making decisions, it's just not right because of the quarantine situation. Yeah, yeah, spot on, spot on. It's, mm. it's a tough situation for players to be in. Travel is just a lot tougher. You're quarantining, so that's extra days away from family. A lot of these guys have young families, uh, newborns, young kids. Mate, if, like I, I don't have kids of my own, but I babysit a couple of little boys and just being away from them for a week, you know, I'm just like, I'm gutted. And they're not even my kids. So I can only imagine if they were my kids. So all these things would have to weigh on the modern player in these modern situations because, mate, the world is, is, clearly a lot different place than I used to play. And I can't imagine putting myself in this situation and having to make decisions like this. It'd be that tough. All right. Final one before we let you go. Match uh, prediction for tonight. We'll give our predictions as well. Do you want us to go go first? first. All right. Yeah, you go first. I'm going to say a one-all draw. I think (sighs) Pan away is a tough fixture for anybody, but a draw could be enough to see Moriasu get the sack anyway. So, you know, I think a draw is honestly a good result in my books, regardless of Japan's form. Away from home, they're a tough team to play against. Nick? Yeah, I, I have to... He's frozen up on us. There we go. go down to this one. Uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, one, one all as well, Josh. I'll just keep it short. Same sort of thing. I just don't think it's going to be an easy beat at all. All right, we've sat on the fence. Go on, yeah, Kate. what do they say about great minds? That's three of us because that's that's the result I had in mind. It's got draw written all over it, doesn't it? Mm. It does, doesn't it? Well, uh, sometimes these big games underwhelm. Hopefully, it's not the case. Hopefully, we're wrong and we get an absolute barn burner tonight. Uh, but, Clint, regardless, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you and getting your thoughts ahead of a big fixture. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, guys. Thank you, guys. Cheers.